Hi, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. The lesson you're about to hear was part of our 2008 fall focus entitled Zealous for Good Deeds. This lesson takes a look at the basic unit God instituted to be a force for good deeds in the world, the family. So open your Bible and get ready to study about the family zealous for good deeds. So a family zealous for good deeds, what's that going to look like? The first thing I think we need to recognize is that a family zealous for good deeds is going to be anchored in the Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 is very clear. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, in fact, this has almost been one of those verses that's kind of a theme verse for what we've talked about as we're, as we're talking about being zealous for good deeds. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. How are we as individuals and as families going to be equipped for every good work? There's only one way. We've got to be in the Scripture. So the question for our families is, are we anchored in the Word of God? Because the reality is, it is impossible to be truly zealous for good deeds unless we have been equipped by the Word of God. Apart from time and study in the Word, it doesn't matter what kind of good things we're doing. It doesn't matter what the world thinks about the kind of things we're doing. If it is not based in the Word of God, if it's not come from the equipping of the Word of God, then we are not as a family truly zealous for good deeds. There's only one way to be equipped for every good work, and that's through the Word. Now, we've read that verse over and over again, but let's make sure we keep it in context. If we back up to verse 14, notice that it says, as Paul's writing to Timothy, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul Harkens back to his childhood. He says, think about from whom you have learned this and how you've known this from childhood. This goes back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 where Paul tells us where Timothy learned this. Timothy didn't learn this in church. Timothy as a Jew didn't learn this at the synagogue. Timothy learned this at home. In verse 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. What we've got here is a family generational legacy. This is a family devoted to God, passing it on from generation to generation. It began with Timothy's grandmother and then his mother and now on to him. See, it's not just about who the father is. But the thing I want you to recognize is where did these good deeds come from? How, is, how did Timothy's equipping for good works begin? At home, being anchored in the sacred scriptures. Now, I know that you know I'm about to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm sure you already recognize that we'd be getting there at this point. But Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 4. What an important example was set for us there in the Old Testament. I understand this is in the Old Testament. I understand they're talking about the old law. But how much more we under the new ought to be doing what is exemplified here? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. 
And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The the Israelite was supposed to be passing on the law to his children. The, The family was supposed to be anchored in the Word. And that's exactly where we need to be. You know, I'm not really talking about here specific Bible study time. No, that's something in our families we need to be doing. As fathers and mothers have specific Bible study time together and and then specific Bible study time with their kids. But that's not what's really talked about here. This is talking about just natural conversation. As you walk in the way, as you lie down, as you rise up, as you sit in your house, this is just part of the conversation. So the question that we need to ask is, is God part of our conversations? In our homes, in our daily lives, as we're sitting around the meal table, as we're driving in the car to go somewhere, are are there spiritual things that are just a part of our conversation? Or do you ever find that, well, we went to church on on Sunday, and and now it's Wednesday night in Bible class, and well, now we'll talk about spiritual things again. I know for my family, there there are times, I mean, you know, we we don't want to be like this, but sometimes we just, life is just happening to us, and we realize we've gone two days and haven't even talked about God. I mean, yes, we, we did our prayers before the meal, but it wasn't exactly just a part of our conversation. And so that's the question for us. If we're going to be a family zealous for good deeds, we've got to be a family that's anchored in the Word. The Word should be just a natural part of our lives. It, it should be how we answer questions that come up. It should be how we make decisions. It should be something that's just naturally a part of our conversation. We don't have to force it or, 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 or make sure we set a time to talk about it. It's just something we talk about. We need to be working on that. If we're going to be a family zealous for good deeds, we've got to be anchored in God's Word. Because that's where equipping for good deeds takes place. The second thing I think we need to recognize is that a family zealous for good deeds starts at home. The good deeds start at home. How easy it is for us to perform good deeds sometimes for those who are in the world or or for those who are our brethren and we can come to the church building and we can be nice and sweet and shake hands and smile and talk of good things and we can cook food for other people and take it to them but then we get home, we're hollering and yelling at each other, we're saying mean things and making fun of each other. Let me ask you, have you ever had this go on in your house? You're just sitting there and you are fighting with your spouse or with your kids and you are yelling, and the phone rings, hi. This is Edwin. How are you doing today? Hang up the phone. You know how easy it is. We, I mean, I know I've got to be nice to y'all. But I need to be doing good deeds at home. In fact, that's where it needs to start. I mean, think about biblical examples of folks who, who are good at good deeds outside of their family, but apparently they didn't do so well at home. Think about Eli and Samuel. Both men who were good at good deeds as far as being a priest and judging the nation, but look at their boys and realize that they must not have done a great job regarding good deeds at home. This is the problem. We need to recognize that a family zealous for good deeds start at home. Look at Second Timothy, excuse me, First Timothy, chapter five. First Timothy, chapter five, verses one and two. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, 
younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Now this is saying that, especially among the congregation, I'm supposed to treat those who are older than me, like Jimmy here, as a father. And the women who are older than me, and I, I won't use an example for that one, as a mother. And the men and women who are younger than me or about my same age, I should be treating them as brothers and sisters. But do you notice the assumption in this passage? The assumption that makes this verse work is that I'm doing good deeds to my father and mother and to my brothers and sisters. You see, what he says is the way I'm supposed to treat y'all is based on the way I treat my family. And so I should be already having that in place. In fact, Paul just assumed that he just assumed that would be taking place. Sometimes, though, we can't assume that. We've got to remember that good deeds start at home. Notice as we continue in 1 Timothy chapter 5, what Paul said about the widows who need to be cared for. There in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 4, he says, But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. And then in verse 8, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And then in verse 16, If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened, so that it may care for those who are truly widows. I think this is a, a fantastic passage that points out that good deeds are supposed to start at home. They're not supposed to start at church. They're supposed to start at home because I'm supposed to take care of my family. You're supposed to take care of your family. And if we're doing that, then the church doesn't have to take care of them. We leave it for the church to take care of those who don't have a family to take care of. It's supposed to begin at home. But did you notice that verse 8? Most often we just read that to tell dads they're supposed to be getting a job and taking care of their family. But you know, that's not specifically what it says. What it says is, is that in a family we should be caring for our own. Now that's going to include the dad providing for the family. I know that. But I want you to realize, did you see what it says? It says if we don't care for our own, especially those of our own household, we are worse than unbelievers. Do you get what that means? That means if I'm not doing good deeds at home, I may be crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's of Christ's doctrine. I may believe exactly the truth. I may teach exactly the truth. I may be a great believer in Jesus Christ, but if I am not caring for those who are in my own family, I am worse than an unbeliever. That's what it says. Good deeds need to start at home. And as we start our good deeds at home, mom and dad, you need to realize that you need to be the example of good deeds. We already read from 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and we learned about Timothy and there in 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 and 1, 5. Where did Timothy's good deeds begin? It began with his grandmother and then his mother and passed on. They were the example. Think about John Mark. John Mark, who went on the missionary trips with Paul. Now, I know that John Mark had a little trouble on that first missionary trip, but how many people didn't even start? And then I also know that John Mark grew to be useful to the Apostle Paul. But where did his good deeds begin? Is it possible that it began with the example he saw in his mother in Acts chapter 12 and verse 12? 
when Peter realized this, remember in Acts 12, Peter had been held prisoner and now he's escaped by the hand of God. When Peter realized this in Acts 12, 12, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Do you think maybe John Mark was willing to step up because he had seen the continued example of his own mother regarding doing good deeds? It needs to start with us, parents. We need to be the example. Dad, you need to realize that you're the leader in your family. And so being zealous for good deeds in your family means you're taking your position as the head of the family very seriously. In Ephesians 5 and verse 22, it says, Wives, this is Ephesians 5, 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself the Savior. talks about our relationship with our wives. And then in chapter 6 and verse 4, Fathers. Most of them say mothers. I realize mothers have responsibility in the family and in raising kids as well. But who's given the responsibility here? Fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Dads, that's our job. We have to be the leader in good deeds in our home. We have to be the example. We have to be the trainer. Let me tell you what that does not mean. That does not mean that as dads, we spend all our time pursuing all our career goals and we delegate to our wife and kids the good deeds. That's not what it means. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, it tells us, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Husbands being the leader in good deeds means sacrificing yourself for your family. I tell you, if you want your wife to be hospitable, husbands, that means you need to sacrifice yourself and help her clean the house. Help her fix the meal. Help her take care of the kids so that you can be a hospitable family. You know, it's interesting, when Paul talked about the qualifications of elders in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 1, one of the things he said was that elders must be hospitable. He didn't say that elders' wives must be hospitable. He said that elders must be hospitable. You see, dads, we need to be examples and leaders in good deeds. Moms, tell you, think about... Those widows indeed of First Timothy chapter 5. The widows that the church could take care of. Their husband has died. Their children are no longer able to take care of them. Maybe they've died. Maybe they've abandoned them. Who knows? But here were widows. And they didn't have social security back then. If, if, if the husband died and the kids weren't taking care of them, they were in trouble. And so Paul is talking about churches taking care of these widows who are widows indeed. But did you notice that it points out that that her, their husband may have died, her kids may have abandoned her, but they're not supposed to put her on the roll unless she's involved in good deeds. And do you notice there in First Timothy chapter 5, beginning at verse 9, let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, having a reputation for good works. Notice what the first one is. If she has brought up children. Where do the good deeds start? At home. If she has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, has devoted herself to every good deed. Mom and Dad, we're supposed to be the example. We're supposed to be the leaders in our home. We're supposed to be the ones that train up our kids and, and show what good deeds are all about. It starts at home. And when it starts at home, we need to remember that as we're training our children, that we teach them to be zealous for good deeds among one another. In passages like Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 29, 
It says, let no corrupting talk. This, this is a series of good deeds right here, guys. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Those who are brothers and sisters in homes, that's supposed to start at home. How are you supposed to treat your brothers and your sisters? Putting away anger and wrath and malice and slander and clamor. And instead being kind-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving, loving, caring for your brothers and sisters. Parents, do not tolerate the example that we see on modern sitcoms of the infighting and the bickering and the name-calling. As if that's just a phase that kids are supposed to go through and they're just allowed to do that. Good deeds start at home. And we need to get our kids to start it at home. But the third thing we recognize about a family that's zealous for good deeds is it doesn't stay at home. It gets outside of the home. Now, on the last point, we recognize that there might be some families who, who are really good at showing good deeds to everyone else, but at home they're just fighting and bickering and, and, and hateful and malicious to one another. But there's also the opposite problem sometimes. I've seen families that are close-knit and tight and, man, they are just wound up together and they are good to one another. It's almost Walton-esque. You just almost, you think as you're walking into their house that you're climbing up Walton Mountain. Walton was in reruns when I was a kid, by the way. So, you know, that's just what we see there. It's just almost like the Waltons. They are just such good deeds to one another, but they never break outside that. That you just don't see them doing the good deeds to anyone else. Well, a family that's zealous for good deeds takes what's on the inside of their family and now passes out. Remember the passage we studied last week in Luke chapter 10, 27 about the good, the good Samaritan? Remember that whole story came from the command of God not to love our families as ourselves, but to love who? Love your neighbor as yourself. We go back to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, we've already recognized the assumption that there's good things going on within our family, but let's not get so wrapped up in the assumption that we forget what the actual point was. You see, the point of this verse was not about being good in our family. That was the assumption. The point of the verse was that goodness that we have within our family is the way we treat other people. I'm supposed to treat those who are older than me with the good deeds that I treat my father. I'm supposed to treat the, the women that are older than me with the good deeds that I would treat my mother. I'm supposed to treat those that are my age and younger with the same good deeds that I would treat my brothers and sisters if I'm behaving properly. That's the point. Take those good deeds and that goodness that you would have in your family and get it outside of the family. We know that Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17 Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17 says that the brother is born for adversity. But we also know that Proverbs 18.24 points out that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's the kind of friend we need to be. Not just to those who are brothers or sisters, but to everyone. That's what we need to be striving for. We need to get those good deeds outside of the family and take it outside. And that's, that's what a family zealous for good deeds does. Gets it outside of the family and takes it out to others. And so we think about Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Excuse me, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, Paul said, Romans 12, 10, Love one another 
with brotherly affection. Love one another with brotherly affection. He's telling the church you need to love each other the way you would your brother. You need to treat your friends as you would your brother when you're treating him properly. It's an affection. It's a love. But, but notice, let's, let's keep this verse in context because this passage talks about some good deeds that we need to be doing. We need to be doing it as a family. We need to be zealous for these things as a family. So let's start in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Here's some of the good deeds. Now, this is not a complete list, but just here's some good deeds that our family needs to be zealous for. Love. We need to abhor what is evil. We, we don't just go along with what is evil. It's a good deed to abhor that and to expose it and to show people what is evil, but rather to love what is good. It's a good deed to show honor to others. It's a good deed. Notice we've got our zeal word in there. It's a good deed to serve the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. No matter what's going on, I mean, let's face it, our society's going through a downturn right now. Everybody's, you know, upset and worried and who knows what's going to happen to our retirements and the stock market might crash and we might go into another depression. But we as Christians can rejoice in hope during this time because our hope isn't laid up in the bank. Our hope is laid up in heaven and we can pass that on to others and we can have good deeds out of that. Be patient in tribulation, constant in prayer. What a good deed our family should be zealous for praying with one another and for others and with others. What about contributing to the needs of the saints and showing hospitality? These are things that families zealous for good deeds are involved in. Blessing those who persecute you. Rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. Showing emotional support for others and what they're going through. Don't repay evil, but do what is honorable. Don't be haughty. But be lowly and associate with the lowly. These are good deeds that need to be going on in our families. This is what we need to be zealous for as a family. Three keys to making this happen. You know, the reality is, we, we talked earlier about the Jukes and the Edwards. You know, your family doesn't have to be zealous for bad deeds. It just has to only intend to be zealous for good deeds, but never actually do it. I mean, the fact is, every single one of us intends to be zealous for good deeds. If I, if I were to say, how many of you intend to be zealous for good deeds, and ask for a show of hands, I bet almost everybody would raise their hand. Now, maybe a few exceptions, but most of us would raise our hands. Oh, yes, I intend to be zealous for good deeds. I want to do good things. I want my family to do good things. But sometimes we don't actually get around to them. Again, I, I look at my own family as an example. I mean, we intend to be zealous for good deeds. But sometimes we get caught up in the rat race of life, and instead of doing things in life, life just happens to us, and we're racing to catch up, just hoping to make it through another day. And so I want to share with you how to move beyond intention and actually managing your life so that you can get it. I'm just going to show you three keys, and we're going to do it really quick because we're getting short on time here. The first thing is manage your time. 
Manage your time. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 points out that we should walk wisely, circumspectly, looking around, redeeming the time. Making the most of it. Making the best use of it. The fact is, we won't be zealous for good deeds unless we plan to be zealous for good deeds. Unless we purpose it. Unless we schedule it. There are so many things vying for our attention today. We go to work. We, we drop the kids off at school. We pick them up. We go to scouts. We've got Little League. We've got volleyball. We've got PTA. And then all of a sudden it's time to go to bed. And, you know, I, I really didn't do the things I planned to do today. It's amazing. You know, we can fit into our schedule anything we want. We don't want for recreation. We can make it to Little League and to volleyball and to football and to scouts. And we, we can make it to all of those things. And then when it's time for some good deeds, we cry, I don't have time. I'm so busy. We all have 24 hours in the day. Same 24 hours that Jesus had, the same 24 hours that Paul had. We need to manage our time. We need to schedule good deeds. Yes, we need to look out for good deeds that just come up, surprisingly, but we need to schedule some things. The fact is, meals don't get cooked. The sick don't get visited. The lost don't get taught. The weeping don't get encouraged. Unless somebody plans and schedules to get out and do it. The second key. Manage your finances. In 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold, hold of that which is truly life. The material blessings that God has given us, He hasn't given us so that we can have all the gizmos and gadgets that we want. He's given us so that we can be a blessing to others around us. And we need to be rich in good deeds. But that's only going to happen if we manage our finances. It doesn't happen accidental. Do you have a good deeds fund in your budget? That's something I've been learning as we've been studying this. Are we planning so that when a need arises, we're not shuffling around and having to go through the sofa kitchens hoping we can drag together some money? But man, we've got it planned so we can get it done? So that we can be involved, we need to manage our finances because good deeds cost money sometimes. And we need to be prepared for that. Or are we like most Americans, already spending next year's money on last year's pleasures? And the third thing, find your niche. I know this seems a little bit different than the other two, but... Find your niche. And I think about this from Acts chapter 9 with Tabitha. We've read about Tabitha as we've gone through this series. You know the story about Tabitha and how Peter came because they wanted, her to raise, they wanted him to raise Tabitha from the dead. And as he got there, the widows were surrounding her and saying, Peter, look at these garments, these tunics that she's made for us. Tabitha didn't do everything. Tabitha didn't serve everyone. But Tabitha did what she could. She made clothes. She served who she could. The widows. Don't think that everybody has to do everything. There are so many good deeds out there. There's no one person that can do them all. 
And so find your niche. And help those in your family to find their niche, what they're good at. And listen, I think it's true that we need to get out of our comfort zone. We need to stretch ourselves at times. But zeal, passion, being on fire happens most naturally when we're talking about things that we're naturally good at and we naturally enjoy. Find those things and use them to serve others. And help your spouse and help your kids and help your parents do that same thing. You know the reality is? I'm excited to go on this trip, which, by the way, has been postponed to next week. I'm excited to go down there. I'm excited to be able to help out. But you know what? I will never, ever be zealous for good deeds of home repair. Because I'm just not any good at it. I will not ever really be zealous for good deeds of car repair. I mean, you know, I know where the gas pump goes. I have changed the oil. I can do that. I've even, surprisingly enough, Dale, changed spark plugs before. I know you don't believe me. But it has happened. But you know what? I'm not any good at it. But you know, now, my brother Christopher, and that is his thing. He is great at taking things apart and fixing them. I mean, my kids, when anything breaks, they don't say take it to Dad. They say, when is Christopher coming? You know, he can be zealous for that. I can do it sometimes, but I'm not ever going to be zealous for that because I'm not any good at it. At the same time, he's not going to be zealous for the things I, I am because he's not good at the things I'm good at. Help find the niche. What, what is it that you can do like Tabitha did? Can you make clothes? You know, listen, let me tell you something. Sisters, if you can make clothes, I know there, there are teenagers whose parents would like to find some modest clothing for them. You want to talk about a good deed you could do? Start modest clothing. Can you cook? Maybe you're good with kids. I know some young families that have kids that they would love to have somebody watch them on Friday night so they can go on on a date. You know how hard it is to find a babysitter for four kids? Can you cut grass? Take care of some widow's lawn. Can you clean house? Find your niche. Find the things. Don't expect everybody in your family to do the exact same thing. Help them find what they're good at and they can be excited about and then set them loose at doing that. These are things that we can do to be zealous for good deeds. At the very beginning, we talked about the Jukes and the Edwards. A generational legacy that got started with two different patriarchs. The reality is, it doesn't matter what your family has been like in the past. It doesn't matter what your family is like today. The question is, what are you going to do from now on? Maybe you didn't even have a family. What is your family going to be like as you started and move forward? What kind of legacy are you going to leave? You know, the reality is you don't have to be zealous for bad deeds to miss the mark. You can just intend to be good and never get around to it. We need to work on being zealous for good deeds in our families. How's your family doing? I hope this lesson was beneficial and edifying to you. More importantly, I hope it glorified God. Let's remember what we learned. First, we learned that a family zealous for good deeds is anchored in the Word, starts at home, and then takes good deeds outside the home. Second, we learned three keys for managing our good deeds and making sure we do more than just have good intentions. If we want a family zealous for good deeds, we must manage our time, manage our finances, and find our individual niche for good deeds. If you have any questions about this lesson or any spiritual needs, please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website, franklinchurchofchrist.com. If you're ever in the Middle Tennessee area, we would love to meet you face-to-face. 
please be a guest at any of our classes or assemblies. You can find meeting times and directions to our meeting place at our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.